our war with the robots is going so slow. Like this is this is not the Matrix. This is not Terminator Two. This is like it is. Derek is actually so, really disappointed in this. Is, by the way, like the robots are getting sentient and like such incremental ways. Like this is so boring. Like this is the worst, <laughs> and, this is the worst uh, apocalypse ever. They like, talk at the wrong time. They, they play the hear. they play the wrong album. Wow! They, well, they, don't like, forget the robots are listening. So these are fighting uh, words oh, you're no, putting I'm, out there. I wanted to get your shit together, robots. <laughs> Welcome to episode 248 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Shannon Weston and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, are joined by Derek Weston to address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. So whether you're a longtime listener or new to the show, did you know that you can get even more content? Starting at just $7 a month, you can get access to pre and post-show banter and merch like this lovely Pub Theology pint glass. Um, sign up at patreon.com slash ptlive. We would love to have you as a patron. Today, we're going to be discussing the sovereignty of God becoming new in Christ and chat gpt Ooh. whatever that might mean tell us more we'll also be making um probably have a few jabs at ogan because he has uh left us for the day in order for um him to spend some time with some clearly more important friends than us so um, we'll make sure to find a way to sneak that into the show yeah in in his place derek weston welcome derek great to see you good to be here Always so what fun. are we drinking today? Oh, I cut you off. That's oh, no, not, it's, it's, that's not unusual. <laughs> I was about to say, par for the course. Um, <laughs> am I starting? Um, so sure. I will. So this is a local brewing company, and I have like no idea how to actually pronounce it. Nepenthe. It's like I feel like I'm summoning the dark lords when I um, say it. Um, but they are local, um, and this one is actually called Pyromancer. It's a West Coast double IPA. So they probably want me to sound like I'm summoning the Dark Lords when I say it. So this is Nepenthe Brewing Company. And we've actually been there a couple of times and I I like their beers a lot. So this is one I remember that I liked, saw it in the store and said, yes, that's a good pub theology beer. There you go. It does have a good underworld feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is this is the place to summon the dark arts, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brian, what are you not drinking today? Because it is still January. It's usually post-show when we summon the dark arts, but we'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, it still is January, so I'm sticking with uh, an N.A. brew, and because it's still in the fridge, because somehow N.A. beers don't disappear as fast as real beers. Strange how that happens. So I've got a Free Wave Hazy IPA by Athletic Brewing today. Well, I have a uh, local to um, Ellicott City, Maryland, uh, 
um, Manor Hill Brewing. Um, I haven't had this one before. It's a Belgian style wheat beer with peaches and it's called Farm Fuzz. Um, so we'll see how it is. I'm, it's always 50-50 with fruit and beers. So it is. Yeah. We're going to see how this one plays out. I had one this weekend that had like a guava flavor in it and it was first off it took me like a good beer and a half to id what the fruit i was tasting was um fortunately we had several um yeah i've been there I love you know, that you pour, pour me another and all <laughs> i love that you're like i don't really know what this is let me drink another and let me try to figure it listen out. that's that's the scientific method exactly what what else was i supposed to do <laughs> that's right that's right. It's in the name of progress and science. How's it? Your face it's is good. I I would totally drink this, but I it is not a good winter beer. I would say like mm. it definitely makes it's an a July August beer. Okay, it's a peach season beer, right? Okay. Like it's, yeah. Well, let's make notes of that. Or a Barbados yeah. in January beer. Or but, a Barbados, uh, Barbados I mean, in January beer. Oh, if I was in Barbados, <laughs> you know. <laughs> On to today's topics. All right, so are you both right-handed? Yes. Yes. All right, so if you had to replace your left hand with a kitchen tool or utensil, what would you choose? So only a kitchen tool, right? (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Not a tool that happens to be in the kitchen. Okay. (laughs) Because uh, that could be a lot of things. Um, Are you looking for a wrench? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to tell you where my mind went. Um, oh, God. But um, I guess it would have to be something like a spatula. Like, it would need to be something that I'm going to use pretty frequently. Like, right? Like, or or tongs. Like, you, I would, like, I would probably have tongs. And then I would constantly be doing the, you know, the thing you do to make sure the tongs work. Well, see, I thought... <laughs> I, my first thought was also tongs. And then I thought, but would you be able to close them or would they just be like mm. stuck in a permanent position because you didn't yeah. have the ability to work them? Yeah, you know good, what I mean? Good point. Which which good then point. I went to spatula, which you also named. So I, those are the two that are in my head. But I was trying to think of what else would be interesting or useful. So a, wh- a whisk would be fun, but like just not a, not a whole lot of use. <laughs> that you two are forgetting that you still have your dominant hand so there so what can i not do so that so my question was like okay what can i not do with my hand i need so like i want a really sharp knife like i can stab things with it i can open (laughs) like i can open the bags i can cut when you said that was classic (laughs) oh oh could go wrong in so many ways. I'm going with a super sharp knife. So you're have falling a, and you try to catch yourself on someone else. Ouch. That I have a cover for, that I have a, you know, cover for at night and whatnot. I see. I mean, yeah. what would be ideal, right, is if you had a, an insert where you can just put in the tool of choice for yes. whatever of task. Course. Right. That Like, you kind of Swiss Army it. That'd be great. Yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I also went with scissors, but I feel like knife, just a, a straight knife is like way more practical. Ow. Yeah. Now, what would be fun? Another fun one would be pizza cutter. <laughs> just to have a pizza cutter hand. Again, again not a whole lot of I use. can just take the pizza cutter and. But a pizza cutter hand would look cool. 
<laughs> get my pizza cutter hand, everyone. Pizza. Can you get the door, honey? Well, this pizza cutter just <laughs> having trouble. Oh my god. Wow. Oh. Listen, that's, that's a ridiculous question. It deserves a ridiculous answer. It does <laughs> deserve so, a ridiculous answer. Pizza cutter hand. I, I feel agree. like is fitting in the spirit of the question. There you oh, go. I'm, there you I understand. Go. So we've got uh, pizza cutter and, and Shannon scissor hands. Uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> big All old right. knife. Yeah, or the yeah, or the or knife the exactly. Old, old knife. Yeah, the big old knife. Exactly. All right. So uh, I saw this quote recently, and I thought it was interesting. And wondering your take. So um, this quote says, "I don't use the phrase sovereignty of God. I'd much rather use the phrase availability of God. I don't believe God is controlling all things, but I do believe God." is present in all things, uh, quote by Dan White Jr., author of Love Over Fear. So do, do you resonate with that, or do you say, no, I lean into the sovereignty of God theologically? And are the people who are responsible for your credentials listening? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start because I'm uncredentialed. There um... we go. <laughs> Fire away. My credentials are a thing of the past. Um, so I here's here's my issue with a lot of the um, reframing that we try to do to soften the language that we have used throughout Christian history. Like when we try to turn kingdom into kingdom and things like that, like we really soften the intent of what scripture is meaning and trying to say um and i think the idea of this of god as sovereign is to understand that god god uses god's sovereignty in a way that humans wouldn't use their sovereignty um that god uses power in ways that we don't use power god god's power is in vulnerability god's power is in love god's power is in um I mean, I like availability as as a description of God's power, but you know, I, I think being able to say that God's sovereignty doesn't look the way that human sovereigns wield power is a really important theological conversation for us to be having. Yeah. So, I I get what the author is saying, and I I don't fully disagree with it. But I, I also worry about taking the power out of some of the language that we have historically used for God and about God, um, recognizing that we need to have different understandings and different definitions of power. Mm. Good. Wow. Good answer. Shannon. Un uncredential. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Impressive. Shannon. I how do you react to the quote as well as uh, Derek's take? Well, as always, I completely agree with what Derek just said. Um, I, I feel like they are using a version, and I understand what they're saying, what he's saying. We have turned, this is, a, a, I think, a different way of saying what Derek just said. We have turned sovereignty of God into power. And what sovereignty is, is authority. 
or, you know, dominion, right? And, and so for me, going back to the heart of that word, to say not to rule as a way, like, in a conquering, horrible, you know, power, but God has only shown us that the way in which God has authority is as one as a co-creator, as one as, who is with us, you know, in the midst of this. Um, and so I, I don't like, I don't disagree that God is available. I don't like the change because I don't think it goes back to the spirit of what was trying to be told, which is something we all know, which is, yes, God is present in all things, but sovereignty of God doesn't mean God is controlling all things, right? Sovereignty of God goes to the heart of um, God is with us in all things, you know, God is above and in and through and uh, you know, all yeah, of it. This isn't an either or where either God is sovereign or, or God is available sort of. Right. Yeah. Like one doesn't exclude the other. And I, but I feel like if you rephrase it to availability of God, you've taken away a lot of beautiful descriptors that sovereignty encompasses. If we can get our head around, um, for lack of a better term, the right definition of sovereignty. Yeah, I think you both said that very well. I think he's reacting to, as I think I tend to do, uh, maybe a poor definition of sovereign in which we're mm -hmm. importing these sort of Greek um, philosophical ideas into like all powerful, controlling, nothing happens without, you know, God mandating it to be so. And certainly many have made a case for that being true of God. And there's even you know, the idea that not a hair can fall from your head without, you know, the will of your heavenly father. I mean, that's, a, you know, that's there. But at the same time, that for me, that view of all powerful and in control of all the minutiae brings in so many problems when we're talking about, you know, the classic problem of evil. Um, and how do you account for God being all powerful and all good, and yet terrible things happen, which a good person who was in control of that situation wouldn't let happen in our view, right. From our human perspective. And again, that, that I think is important to name, which you both did. Like we bring in our idea of what do humans do when they have control. And then, you know, we don't have the, obviously the, the divine perspective, you know, yeah. which is probably yeah. good. Uh, yeah. But, but it, it makes us chafe a little bit. It makes me chafe a little bit under this idea of God being in control, because we've all experienced really hard things that we say, why God, if you could have done something there, there was your chance, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the question that I come back to is where in scripture is God most powerful? And to me, God is most powerful in scripture in Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do, what they do. Yeah. And that is, that is the most powerful thing that God does in, in my understanding of what love, what power, what 
sovereignty means. And so I think when we when we say God's power is, you know, um, and there's lots of places we can go with that. God's power is in creation. God's power is in healing. God's power is in, you know, the flood or, you know, whatever. Uh, to me, the most, you know, the most divine, miraculous thing you see in the Bible is Jesus forgiving those who have, who have nailed him to a cross. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it's, it's part of our... Uh, one, are, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. It comes from the Greek, but it's become very much a part of the Western world. Our understandings of what power, you know, power is power over. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's our Western understanding of of what power is, and and I think so much of the biblical witness is uh, God showing power is power alongside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, it's with. It's power with. I mean, I, you know, I go, I started singing, I sing the mighty power of God in my head, right? Because that's what mm. my head does all the time. And nerd. I know, right? That's, just, that's where I go. We could play, we could play hymn games again. And I'll guess oh um, yeah, let's say that we need to cue that one of those up. Right. But, but there is an argument to be made that, so this is a small quote in a large book. And yet what, what I'm sitting there going is like, if I'm being judgmental for a second, I'm going, wow, this person really wants to, like, they want to be in control and they want, you know, whatever. And so they're trying to shift the focus. Um, But, you know, we have the, we have such, we have shown clearly in our world that humans have such um, capability to destroy, but, you know, like, as I started singing that hymn, like, I can't make mountains rise you know, like I, we can, we can kind of find ways to, we can go to mining where we blow off the yeah, top we of the mountain. Yeah, we can level them. We can level the mountain, <laughs> right. but we can't we'll make that. it a- appear again. You know, and I'm thinking, well, yes, like I agree, Derek, that, that, that is a, a truly powerful moment, but there's various kinds of power that are, that are beautiful mm-hmm. and being able to, you know, um, in Derek's documentary, like uh, Heber Brown says this thing that I just can't stop thinking about, which is like planting the seed. You know, you I can do all the things that make a seed grow. I can make sure the it's fertile ground and it's planted well and it's done, but I don't make the seed grow, right? You know, God makes the seed grow. There's, I'm powerless, I am limited. And that to me is actually a beautiful thing. Um, I can't make the mountains rise, right? Like, yeah. so that's part of what's encompassed in the sovereignty that I don't want to lose. Yeah. Is this a phrase that you have used much or it does come up much in your Almost never. experience in church or, or in the worship setting, I guess? I mean, more in my evangelical days, for sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like, again, it's one of those words that I feel like progressives move away from because of these bad definitions of sovereignty. And I think so often we, we try to find a new word instead of doing the work of redefining. Yeah. And um, I think it's, uh, there's a laziness to that. There's a theological laziness to it. There's a, um, I, I understand the impulse. And yet, 
I, I think we need to be more careful about, actually, no, not careful. Um, careful is the wrong word. The right word is we should be more assertive. It's an intentional. About, and intentional about reclaiming words, right? you know, and, and saying, I'm not going to surrender that word to people who are doing bad theology. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. people do that with even um, evangelize, mission, missional, you know, like people are reclaiming these words and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't, you don't get these words, you right. know. Yeah, um, there was a, there was, a, I saw this um, tweet the other day, which I resonated with as well about another S word, salvation, it says, is an English word that simply means rescue from harm. However, it became so Christianized that it now means rescue from hell, even though it isn't the original use. Because of this, it's no longer an accurate word to use in translations. Thus, we use liberation. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I could see both sides, like reclaiming an old word yeah. versus, you know, just using a new term that that resonates more or, you know, because you're not, it's hard to re-educate the population. You know, you can only, you only have a limited sphere of influence and you have to decide, is it worth the work to try to stick with this word or is there another word that can convey what I'm trying to express and maybe we'll get there quicker if we use that word. So, I, and, but I think that's an interesting, that's actually an interesting difference from what we're talking about is like one is a very um, Americanized word salvation. Right. Right. And replacing that with liberation, which is much more, inclusive and probably really a better translation at the heart of what we're talking about biblically, yeah. right? Whereas sovereignty, you know, this, what, so I don't use sovereignty. I didn't a lot. It wasn't part of my phrase. I think it, you know, but it also speaks to the Lord language that is used all throughout scripture and if you get rid of sovereignty, and and again, you know, this we is don't like word. to use Lord either, just FYI. No, and I mean that's that's one of the words that's been rejected. And again, right. but it also begs that question if you're a you know a scholar and really thinking about this, you know, why is it important? Is it just because Caesar wrote Caesar is lawyered on a coin? Is that right. why we use it? Well, no, it, it it's all over the Hebrew Bible. So what? Why is that word important to use as a descriptor for God? Yeah. And just asking that question and going on that journey for yourself or your faith community is an important one. Yeah, I'm all for digging into, uh, you know, the origins of, you know, these certain words or phrases uh, and getting as much historical context as possible, because too often these phrases have become hijacked and we just assume they mean what we think they mean when we read them in scripture or in theological statements. And oftentimes, you know, we can't help but bring our, our modern bias and understandings into those readings. And so if we can dig underneath that, I'm all in favor of that. And just one last thing from me. Um, one of the reasons that I think we should fight for some of these words is that so often people with what I consider to be harmful theology, throw these words around as if their thoughts and ideas are deeply connected to the history of the Christ, of the Christ movement. As if they are standing on historical authority of 
that they they are connected to the original source material and and evangelicalism as we know is like 200 years old it's and like pretty new <laughs> and like right and and pretty divorced in fact from a lot of the origins and and historicity of the faith and so i, I think to just like not concede legitimacy mm. you know yeah. to not concede yeah. um you know historical authenticity or historical authority you know i think some things are some not everything like some hills aren't worth dying on but i do think there is there is some reclamation work that is worthwhile because being able to understand the root of the word salvation is pretty important yeah. being able to understand the roots of the word sovereignty yep i think yeah. that's important yeah yeah, very good. All right. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, kind of a, a classic text that, you know, I think is used pretty frequently in a, in a lot of church circles. And it says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And so the question is, uh, do things change this drastically when one becomes a Christian or has a spiritual encounter with Christ? And do you see this as a promise? Like this is what happens or is this something to aspire to in this moment or encounter? So I would actually say that this connects to the conversation we were just having. Um, I think that's Brian's dream, by the way. Ooh, there was a thread. That there's a thread through this. I, I think there's. I think there's a thread here, guys. Um, <laughs> I because I think I think the idea is that, and it's not. It's not the. You know, I think when when we read this, and so often when we read this passage in places where I've heard this passage read you you hear it as like it's instantaneous like if anyone is in christ you and it's it's the idea of of like conversion and the world seems completely different and that's just not based in reality for most people yeah um but i but i think what paul is actually inviting us to is if you are in christ you get to have new definitions of things you get to redefine things like sovereignty. You get to redefine things like power and dominion. You get to redefine things like what is a kingdom. You get to redefine things like about yourself. Um, right? About and you get to redefine things about yourself and and redefine things about what your meaning and purpose in the world yeah. are and can be and what your place in the world is. And so I think it's it's it's. It's, I would say, I wouldn't maybe say aspirational. I would say it's invitational. Like it's a, it, yeah. it's a, it's an invitation to be in a space where you're throwing away your old definitions of the, of the world and the way the world works and to begin to adopt new definitions. Um, so yeah, thread. So this is going to sound, um, this is going to sound weird. But there was a point in which um, in a biology class, learning that like 
we as in our human body replace like over 300 billion cells a day and every seven years you know we are completely not the same you're a new creation you're a new creation (laughs) by the way magically that it's seven years like there were so many you know now i mean granted i was still kind of baptist and evangelical during this time but i but it was one of those things that i was like this is some of the coolest stuff i've ever heard right and it actually for me just breathed life into this passage of there is something physically there's a physical manifestation of this promise to us happening without our knowledge right or you know within our brain but like you understand what i'm saying well yeah and you're not so, conscious of it i'm not conscious of it i don't i don't watch it happen i don't you know make it you happen don't feel it i don't feel it it just happens you don't cut off a hand and a kitchen utensil grows <laughs> i mean i'm not daredevil you know right like or no not daredevil um shoot what's his name come on help me out oh evil can evil where are you going i don't know ryan Which, reynolds the ryan oh, reynolds. deadpool Deadpool. Deadpool, thank you. Yeah, Why I don't so know that <laughs> Or Wolverine. Wolverine okay. Also well, works. anyway, we no. The idea is that you cut it off and it like grows back. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's Deadpool. But I I don't know like because I think we do talk about this as like an emotional awakening or a but the fact that we are created beings to do this naturally, to do this physically. Um, we know this is true about the earth, right? We know this is true about land. And so if we let it rest, it will rejuvenate itself. It will become completely new, right? And it's, and I just, so for me, this became the most, one of the most hopeful things mm. that if I can do it physically, if the earth can do it, if, if this is the natural way of being, then this is a promise um, that, I mean, to, to not to oversimplify it, but like that this too shall pass and that I will see things with new eyes. Mm. Yeah. I, I like, I like that. I like how both of you have approached this. I think in, in ways I've heard it in very evangelical settings, I've seen it set people up for disappointment because yeah. there's this, like, you're not going to sin anymore. You're not going to be a jerk anymore. You know, you're going to, everything's going to be easier now because you have Christ in you. And and I feel like all your money problems are going to go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I feel like when it's sort of misused that way, it can set people up for feeling like a, a failure or B, I didn't really accept Christ or I didn't have the, the spiritual high or the spiritual reality of this thing set in. So I'm going to have to be converted again. Um, but I, I do think there is more there than than that obviously as you two have both said and i and i do think is there something about the setting of paul and elsewhere he talks about in christ there's no longer you know greek or gentile male or female slave or free sort of a cutting away of the the things that set people up in hierarchies and that that was a powerful thing to hear in the first century that you could be the low person on the rung in society and yet there's this equality in christ Mm -hmm. that god sees you and that the community sees you 
as equal, to me, that would be a, a newness that would be powerful and hard to even fathom. You know, it's interesting that in the, of how this has been with misused more spe most specifically, I would say in prosperity gospel, right? Not just evangelical settings, but most specifically in prosperity yeah. gospel. And what's interesting to me about that is that even though I don't buy into that at all, I think that I um, definitely, I, I fall definitely into the like foreboding joy category where like, I don't celebrate the new creation that I find in myself, or I don't celebrate something in me becoming new because either I go to foreboding joy, which is like, well, what's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? Or more specifically, I buy into this, well, I shouldn't say anything. I shouldn't share that joy outside of this small group of people because maybe it didn't happen for them, or maybe, you know, things didn't work out for them. And, and I'm in that period right now. I'm in a, I'm in a period of time where things are going really well. And it's, I'm forcing myself to push out of that comfort to say, it's okay to share this. It's okay that you're finding new life and that should be celebrated. Mm -hmm. So even though I, even though I discount like that belief by not living into and sharing when in your life you have that moment of the spirit that says wow yeah. i am this is happening we we hold it really close because somehow i'm still buying into this idea that like well people will perceive me as that i think i'm more worthy than them or mm. whatever and and so i stamp it down a little bit mm. this is this is one place where um as I take another sip of my beer. Indeed. Um, that the 12 steps works really much better <laughs> in some places than Christianity does. Because I think I think for a lot of people, sobriety is new creation, right? But the understanding of sobriety is is one day at a time and one step at a time. Yes. It's not this radical thing where and again it's it's paul paul's saying in this statement like creation's new you're not which is mm -hmm. why like again in 12 steps you still start with like hi my name is so-and-so and i'm alcoholic i'm an addict i'm a whatever i haven't changed but like my outlook and the tools that i have to look at the world are different and it gives and there's a one day at a time perspective on that change and it's not all good it's not going to be all or nothing it's not going to be magically one day easier it's not going to erase the, the in fact um it's it's going to cause me to go back to those places where i've sinned and tried to make amends like that's what that new perspective does um and, and again i think that's i think that's i think that's i think that's why the 12 steps work so well Mm. Um, I think there's a there's an understanding of what actually what transformation actually looks like for humans. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not this radical shift. It's not this complete 180. It's not this total makeover. It's this incremental 
slow trudge towards changing direction. It's, yeah, it's, and it's, it's realistic it's, it's going, and attainable. Right. right. It's it's right. It's, tr- it's turning around and going north when you've been going south. You know, it's 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 not it's not immediately taking you to the des- the destination. Well, and I think that's where this language like everything old has passed away and everything has become new. That's not real in our life, right? Like everything doesn't fall away. You know, we don't just <laughs> we don't live the way that um you know in the lion king when he bops him over the head and says it's in the past forget like like (laughs) magically all disappears like we don't that's not the way this world works and that's not the way we live um that's not the human condition it takes practice and it takes work and so we can sometimes get hung up on those but again like derek said that's not like you will be made new but like there's a new creation and I think there's something really, there's also something really beautifully like Jungian and collective unconscious about that, right? That like, we all have our part and are, are part of this big collective. Um, it's just really, it's such a hopeful thing that just really makes me sad when people turn that into a pressure, you know? Yeah, I, I do like reading it in that way, for sure. Taking that broader, more holistic communal view I, I do wonder about the greek here because this translation says if anyone is in christ there is a new creation most mm-hmm. classic translations that i'm familiar with say if anyone if if any man is in christ he is a new creation right this is attempting <laughs> right. to sort of right. you know take out the gender and the language but i do wonder about the there is versus they are you know right. that is a that is a distinct difference there and i do wonder which is a little truer to the greek but well, we'll ask Paul. Well, on. yeah. And I mean, I think <laughs> when we get to the pearly gates, we'll be like, did you mean they? Or did yeah. you mean they're? Like, well, well, that'll be first. Yeah. And Paul and would Paul, say, and Paul, Paul would like, say, we don't I use pronouns like here. <laughs> Paul would say, what are you talking about? Oh, like and speaking of, we don't use pronouns here. The seminary I went to uh, introduced a new candidate for ministry, a, a young woman, and she introduced herself in the social media post with her pronouns, and people lost their minds. Oh, God. I hate the world. <laughs> it was, like, it made me sick. It's it's like the lowest bar to clear to, like, call people what they want to be called. Yes. It's the lowest, it's the lowest bar of respect. It is the lowest bar of respect. It's to call literally the least you called. can do. It's literally the least you can do. Yes. By the way, did Derek, I don't know if you know this. Maggie came up with a way if when people change their pronouns, our oldest, she writes it as their company in their contact. Mm-hmm. So when they like pop up in a text message or in a phone call or they don't phone call, but you know, whatever, then it'll have the person's name and their pronouns right there. I love it. Be- because <laughs> they, let's they be work, honest. They work for they, them. They work for they, them. <laughs> and, uh, but like, it's one of those things that I was like, you know what, honey, I think that's, that's smart. really smart, that smart because she's at a place and, and she's at a school where like people are, her friends are really experimenting, like, you know, um, and I have a friend that 
is well into their forties and is like, you know, this wasn't acceptable. And I just want to try this with a few group of friends. Will you try this with me? It may work. It may not. And um, we should feel free to do that. Anyway, this wasn't about, but this, this is the new creation, right? Yeah. This is about, you know, being not only your true self, but letting that old pass away, letting that old tradition, letting that old way pass away. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I, I use that company line for other things like reminders of who that person is. You know, <laughs> Joey's mom. You know, yeah. Yeah. Guy with the weird mole. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That one's too much information. That's but... too much. <laughs> too, too far. Too far, Brian. All right. So this next one is is about artificial intelligence. I am a robot. How are you today? Generative pre-trained transformer technology hit the hallways of high schools and college campuses uh, late this past fall, and it is the newest trend. It's for short called ChatGPT, and it can write essays on nearly every subject imaginable, emulating human writing style and credible content, and it will produce a unique writing sample for you or a whole essay and it can write from various perspectives and multiple voices it can even write in the first person as if it were a historical person i mean i've seen people use this to write sermons i don't know if they've given those sermons but (laughs) overload and so as uh, chat gpt foreshadows the world humans are coming to inhabit and share with machines as such ai technology becomes more widespread what concerns you the most and if you were in school, would you would you use this? <laughs> Is this the thing that people have been doing where they make it watch like hours of Hallmark movies and then ask it to write a script? It might based be. On... I think this is the same thing. It it's might similar, be that. It's similar technology, yes. Yeah, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But, it, but I, I mean, think... apparently it can write like a really good essay on you name the topic and it'll have footnotes and it'll be like in the correct style and it'll be unique. And if you don't like it, you can do it again and it'll give you one that's a little different. So, so where do I do this for my dissertation? Is my <laughs> I don't know right. Get a hold of this. So a friend of mine who is in, in uh, higher education um, was talking about this on, on social media and there's actually another uh, uh, application that can detect if things have been written with chat GPT. Really? So like, so like that educators have access to. So like Ooh. that, like the, the technology is moving that quickly, right? The and robot like the, wars are here. Uh, the robot wars are happening. It's just like, they're mostly happening in academia. <laughs> so we don't see them. <laughs> right. God. So, so I, I think that, I mean, I, this is this is kind of an evolving thought, right? Like, there's, 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 you know, kind of like your your Hallmark movie example, <laughs> Shannon. Like, there's there's fun to be had with this, right? Oh, for sure. And like, sure. and I think we should we should have the fun that is there to be had with it. I I I do think that um, it's I, I think it's. Um, disingenuous and i think it lacks integrity to use this to write a paper right i think that's 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 cheating that's that's cheating 
You shouldn't use yeah, derivative paper. That's, that. that's yeah. cheating. <laughs> like that's that's a that is dishonest. That is so, not doing the assignment. So no, I I wouldn't have done that. And like I I wasn't a I wasn't a plagiarize. You know, people who are going to plagiarize are going to find ways to plagiarize. Um, and so I I wasn't a plagiarize the paper kind of guy. But but that's um, what's that's this technology. You're not technically plagiarizing. But it's but it's <laughs> no. But it's not your work. It's not so your work. In, it's not your work. You're turning yeah. in something that isn't your work. So that yeah. to me is plagiarizing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and maybe you're we need passing to find, off something else's work as your work. Maybe we need to find a different word than plagiarizing. But it's still it's still uh, it's just downright cheating. It is cheating. It's, so it's just good old fashioned cheating. It's so cheating. And <laughs> right. so, and so like, I like, I like, I mean, here's the thing. I like that this technology exists. I, I think it's great that this technology exists. And I think that, it, you know, in a way that we, you know, uh, put a, you know, the, the, the joke about putting a whole bunch of monkeys in a room with typewriters and seeing if they would come up with Shakespeare, right? <laughs> right like is, exactly. Is, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Is, is that, is that what's going to happen eventually? I don't, I don't know. Like, do we, do we come up with the next great movie script because Hollywood can't come up with original ideas because from, from this, you know, AI, I don't know. But I, I also, I, I, I also appreciate the concern of there being a market for this that pushes human ingenuity, human creativity, uh, human drive for creativity out of the marketplace and out of the the creative sphere. Um, I, I, I think life is hard enough as an artist, uh, any kind of artist, where all of a sudden now you have you have um you know when when computers were just doing the job of mathematicians we didn't care but when computers yeah. are doing the job of artists then i then i start to care i start to care about like the simulation of the representation of the human spirit that that bothers me a little bit right like both as as a a consumer of the arts and and as a theologian like that both on both levels that that bothers me you suck human yeah and they do have them that can create like visual art as well yeah 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 and, and so so i i it's that it's, is a really interesting intellectual property conversation though yeah like who owns that like who owns that intellectual property then yes is it the creator of the chat thing is it the chat thing, right? Like, and we're we're getting into some messy gray areas around intellectual property here. And because when in- you, it's an because, like, as you mentioned, mathematics. Sorry, I'm following this thread. Like, the intellectual property was computer. Like, it's the it's the algorithm, right? right that's right. used. There's a seal on that, it, and maybe I'm not. Maybe it's the same here, but this seems to be generating new content. Yeah, it's not just taking the algorithm and making making the system work. You know, the mathematic problem, right? Get an answer. This seems to be creating a new thing. Yeah, and so whose intellectual property is that? And I don't, I don't mean this just on a like courtroom level. I'm just like, this is the plagiarism question. You know, right? Yeah, who owns this? I mean, the other issue that I have is that our war with the robots is going so slow 
Like this is this is not the Matrix. This is not Terminator Two. This is like it is. Derek is actually so, really disappointed in this. By the way, like the robots are getting sentient and like such incremental ways. Like this is so boring. Like this is the worst, <laughs> and, this is the worst uh, apocalypse ever. Like and Alexa why? and Siri still can't understand half we say. Right? Like they talk like, at the wrong time. They, they play the hear. they play the wrong album. Wow! They, well, they, don't like, forget the robots are listening. So these are fighting I, ones. Oh you're no! I, out there. I wanted to get their shit together, robots. <laughs> um. So, but no, I, I I do think we're getting into a place where there's going to be. There's going to be a lot of gray area that like it's uncharted like and this is this has yeah. been the problem with technology I, I don't know it's probably always been the problem with technology but it's definitely been the problem with technology in the last few decades is that our technology is developing faster than our etiquette and ethics oh. around the technology. Absolutely. That's been true for and, a while. And that's that's been, I mean, it's probably since well, of, of the creation of the first hammer. But, I mean, but I will be say I will say that in fairness, like these are ethics we haven't had to think about before. Right, exactly. And so and, it's really hard. I mean, so I remember the the people that developed the software that could like take your face and your voice and completely get it to say anything or do anything you wanted it to do. As soon as they created it, immediately started creating yeah. a way to find if that was real or not. The political well, rem Remember, remember after, um, so the, the, there was a Anthony Bourdain documentary created a couple of years ago called Roadrunner and they used that technology to have Anthony Bourdain's voice say things that Anthony Bourdain had written, but that he right. hadn't actually said out loud. Yeah. But, right. And they use it as part of the narration in the film. And there was a lot of pushback from that, right. even though it was it was his words that he had written, but they'd use this AI to basically make him say these words. That he yeah, how did you feel said. about that? I Again, because they were his words that he had written, I didn't feel... I didn't feel that that was that feels like the best use of that technology, right? But, or like having a young Princess Leia, like computerized after well, Carrie Fisher has died. Well, and 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 the Luke Skywalker creation for the Mandalorian, and like if you've ever watched, right. like I know a lot of people don't watch the back behind the scenes stuff for that. I do, and like it's fascinating. The like the the amount of you know like all this video of Mark Hamill, both as Luke Skywalker and not as Luke Skywalker, dumped into a computer to cre recreate this simulation of, of Luke Skywalker. And, and like, yes, we use it for entertainment purposes, but then the, the question becomes like, what happens when you do that with a politician? Yeah. What happens right. when you do that with Joe Biden? And Joe Biden's actually been dead for three years, but we've got we've got this AI simulation that, that yeah. basically, you know, is I, I I'm not saying that I believe that Joe Biden has been dead for three years. I just need to make that very clear. But no, but, but I but again, but, like it's that kind of thing where this gets into like kind of some scary places. It does. It it and yet, I mean, and and this is why like. I think it has a lot of merit that the people that kind of develop this technology immediately start going, what do we need to do before this gets big, before this gets popular? What do we need to do to start 
counteracting the negative uses of this, yeah. you know, and we need to, we develop this, we can certainly develop that as well. It's like creating a poison and making sure you have an antidote or something. Right. Well, but that's the point, right? Is that, but we don't always, you know, the comment of like, and I don't think you meant it this way, but like the comment of like, well, sometimes our ethics and standards don't like, our technology is moving faster. Well, because th that bar is moving constant. Like we don't, we don't know to ask these ethical questions until the technology is there, which is what my problem is. If you want to go to politics about it, if people are like, well, the framers didn't have that scenario in oh mind. And I'm gosh, like, that's fucking that. bullshit. Like, come on. What, what scenario, what part of the world in which we live in right now would the framers have had in mind? And honestly, they had sock puppets that look just like Benjamin Franklin. So. I mean, seriously, come on. Technology was there. But but uh, last thing I'll say about this is, is in all fairness, right? Like one of, I love photography. I know Christy does too, Brian, your wife. And like one of the things, people were afraid of the photograph when it first came out because they believed it captured your spirit. Like right. it took a piece of your soul. And in all fairness, part of the reason why they thought that is because in the first photograph, you had to stay very, very still. And if you didn't, you got like this blur, you know? So like it came from like a very genuine, like, what the hell is that? You know, kind of like, oh my God, that's my ghost. Like you're capturing right. my spirit, you know? But like, obviously this has been good technology and wonderful and we get to see pictures of loved ones after they've passed and you know send them now we get to send them digitally to people far away so this has always been the case with technology of learning to use it appropriately and well and and catching ourselves up together yeah i agree with that. agreed and I think I'll have Chat GPT write the topics for next week, and we'll see. How <laughs> we'll see what happens. Put a you whole dump bunch of all of the top theology scripts into this yeah. program and see if it generates see what, a see what comes out. Unique pub theology script. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tune back in next week. All right. So the Church of England uh, has just formally apologized for its treatment of LGBTQ. Folks, even as it has said that same-sex couples still won't be allowed to marry in its churches. And so the question is, is an apology without changing genuine, can there be, quote, good treatment of a community if that community is still not fully welcomed? No. Oh. No. So this feels entirely insufficient. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. Tr I'm, I'm trying to add some nuance here, but I don't think we can. <laughs> we... <laughs> so hopefully they're tuning in from Church of like, England. It's, 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 I mean, it's complete bullshit to say that, like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, I'm sorry for leaving you outside uh of my house well we're still leaving you, you outside not letting you in not letting you in the house uh you still can't come in but i'm really so really sorry for for the years of leaving you outside like what do we <laughs> say when I'm, like we've heard those apologies over and over and over not from institutions from people right yeah. like oh i'm really sorry you feel that way yeah like i'm sorry if your no, feelings were hurt <laughs> like that's not an apology <laughs> 
Right, right. I'm like, sorry that you're my not, words were hurtful to you. Right. right. Like, you're no, not taking no. any responsibility. So one, you can say an apology is taking responsibility. I haven't read the statement, but I doubt that it actually does. But two, like you're still, you're apologizing for something that you're still in the midst of. Right. Like you're not, you're not done yet. Right. right? Like you're not, you, you haven't wrapped this one up yet, people. And you're not, I mean, and you're hurting everybody. You're hurting the community of the people of the Church of England, all of them, not just those that are part of this community, part of the LGBTQ community. And in some ways it makes it worse, right? Oh. Like ah. to, to say, I, yes. I know, I, I know I'm hurting you. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm hurting you. I'm going to keep hurting. I'm going to keep hurting you. It's like, I'm worse. Keep... In some ways that makes it worse. Yes. Cause ex- I mean, exclusion, let's be really honest about this. Exclusion is one of the most hurtful things mm. that one person can do to another, let alone a community can do to another community. Yeah. And we know that in our bones, we, that's why little kids have problems is because of exclusion, right? Like this is our, this is our, one of our base negative emotions. Mm. And so don't, you don't get to apologize while still excluding from full participation. That's not even good PR. Like it's, it's not, like that's not even a, that's not even a good, like uh, marketing piece. Like there's, there's like, that's, that's, I don't know. Like I, 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 I don't, I can't understand. I can't understand the intent. It, it's like, you want to have your cake and eat it too. Yes. It's someone feeling, well, someone or a collective, someone's feeling the guilt of knowing really that what we're doing is hurting people isn't right even. And so we need to express that. But by the way, we're not prepared to make any changes. I I don't know enough about the specific structure of the Church of England, but I wonder if there's two different groups voting on these things. Mm. There's like one group called that called for this apology that actually has no control over whether or not the same-sex marriage decision is made. That would be good that, to know. That would be my most gracious. Yes. Like that is me at my most gracious interpretation of this is that there is a body of people, most likely the ministers, uh, you know, the group of ministers in the Church of England calling for this apology while not really having the authority to make the decision. So that's like the narrow path where this isn't totally gross. It's still gross, but I, but it's, it's also the reality of how church politics work. Um, right. You know, and and the, maybe the, the folks issuing the apology. Yeah, maybe the folks issuing this apology, this is the one thing they can control. And they're saying this doesn't represent all of us. This and that's policy. what I'm trying to say is my yeah. that's the most gracious interpretation I can get to it. Yeah. Um, you know, the PCUSA did this, Brian. I don't know how if the UCC ever, you know, how long they but like we had a time where we had one foot in the door and one out. Sure. Where, right. you know, you are welcome here in church, but you're not allowed to be ordained. You know, you're you're welcome here. You can be ordained, but you can't get married or whatever. You know, like right? And so, really... you, looking back, it feels awful, but you also realize this this was not an easy process, for better or worse. It took time, and of course, historical perspective, we kind of look at it and and feel sick about it. But it and don't get me moving. wrong, I would have told you then that it was bullshit. So, like, yeah, I also stayed a part of it 
because I was in a denomination where my vote would matter and yeah. I could help change it. Right. Yeah. So sure. and I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't know the full church politics there, but and, that's the scenario in which. I and, and, and to be somewhat hopeful about it. Right. Because our, our denomination did go through this. I think anyone with any sense knows that you can't stay in this space. Yeah. Right. right. This, this this space where you're work. apologizing for something, but that also you're actively doing that you're actively <laughs> doing. Like you can't stay in that space. Yep. You either need to like rescind the apology <laughs> and and like say, nope, we're 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 back to being bigots. Sorry, that's kind of our deal. Or you 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 push forward and you push forward painfully and you do the work and you lose some people along the way but you you can't stay in that space of yeah of your you know foot in, in two worlds so i mean i in, in that way it's hopeful that like maybe this is a first step towards towards some real progress for the church of england but right now they're in a place that's gross yep yeah and i and i have <laughs> some friends that have reached out when that ruling came down and we're like, I, I don't know that I can return to church. And that is not a space that we need to be in right now, friends. Not at all. Nope. No. Well, Brian, we need to move these uh, hard questions. Like maybe AI last or something. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pop Theology Live. You can show uh, your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts. Our top cities this week are Winter Garden, Florida. Oh, Brian, what is that name of that town? Uh, Chessening, Michigan. Chessening, Michigan. Um, that was would be a bad mispronunciation, which I almost did. And Columbus, Ohio. You can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. It's only 8%. It's 8 <laughs> which is not the highest percentage that i've had on the show <laughs> fair fair i always know when derek's beer kicks in because he gets super chatty